0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast, where we are talking about a few films that we caught at this year's Tribeca Film Festival. This episode will be a review of the film Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bortain. I'm Christopher Snazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. This week, these next two reviews, um, they are coming to a little streaming platform near you. Anybody was basically able, at least if you're in the United States, to check out films that played here at Tribeca. Let's start out, Stephen, by just talking about our history um, or potential fondness for Anthony Bourdain, the, the, Mm -hmm. the person at the subject of this film.
1: Right. I, I mean, so what Chris is clearly hinting at is I wanted to watch this movie because <laughs> I have a great fondness for Anthony Bourdain. Um, historically, when I've been asked, like, who are the three people you would want to have at a dinner party, um, my answers, which many of them have not aged well at all, <laughs> um, <laughs> but one that was always a constant was Anthony Bourdain. Um, and that's just because I think he is a very interesting sum of Things that I am also interested in. Uh, he is a was a world traveler and a food like uh, aficionado, and he spoke very eloquently on the subject of travel and food. He's also just a phenomenal writer and clearly has very authorly like instincts. His, his inspirations like Hunter S. Thompson, William S. Burroughs, um, that is the sort of thing that like fuels his writing. And I, I always enjoyed when I would watch an episode of his show. The voiceover narration, you could write it down and call it a short story. Like, every single episode was extremely well done, and I really, really liked that. Um, But really, I just was into him because I loved first the idea of travel and then eventually traveling, and it became like a tradition to always watch the episode of one of his shows, No Reservations or The Layover or... um, Parts Unknown before I went to a place to be like, where should I eat? What should I see? How should I like prepare myself for this place? And he just kind of became a, a staple. Uh, I have read both Kitchen Confidential and Medium Raw. So I, I, I would say I'm a pretty big fan. I liked, I liked his way of seeing the world a lot. I appreciated his travel shows and I just thought he was a cool, a cool person. Um, so I was excited to see a documentary about him
0: yeah on, on the other hand i know nothing about anthony bourdain or i should say i i did know nothing before sitting down to this um to, to watch this film um but you know I, I was game to check it out because i i knew i over the years you have talked about him um people at the office have talked about him um not just in his passing but like you know other times for unrelated things um so when, when you you know messaged me the other day and you're like hey uh, I just bought a ticket to this. Uh, we should probably do a review. I was like, sure. I just made you watch three Conjuring films. I can't really yep. complain about watching one documentary about a real life man. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I was totally game for it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think we'll probably get into it over this course of this review um, and be able to talk about sort of thoughts on it. But but yeah, I went in this completely blind, knowing nothing about Anthony Bourdain. Um, and uh, yeah, it was definitely an interesting watch. So
1: I have to say, watching it, I kept thinking, what is Chris feeling right now? Because we'll get into it. But because Anthony Bourdain's life was so public and on television, it could go one of two ways. It could be that they like you get such a sense because they have so much footage or they are skipping key insights into what he is about. So we'll we'll talk about it in the review. But I feel yeah. like going in blind is such an interesting way to approach this documentary.
0: Yeah. All right. um, Well, with that, we are going to get started. We are going to take a listen to the trailer for Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. And we're going to come back and give you a review. You're probably going to find out about it anyway. So here's a little preemptive truth telling. There's no happy ending. One, two, three, four. Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. The renowned chef and best-selling author of Kitchen Confidential.
1: All the TV chefs are so cuddly and adorable, you know, maybe I'm the antidote or something.
0: As a new program, Parts Unknown. One minute I was standing next to a deep fryer, and the next, I was watching the sunset over the Sahara. What am I doing here? I said earlier that I was going to tell you the truth. This is part of it. It was almost never about food. It was about Tony learning how to be a better person. When he threw himself into something, he threw himself completely. Why am I here? Am I insane? He was like, life's about finding a cliff worth jumping off. I'm gonna look for something feral and wild. He was a traditional romantic.
1: Reality was never gonna live up to exactly how he pictured it. What's up, man? He was always rushing to get into the scene. He was rushing to get out of the scene,
0: to go somewhere next, even if he had nowhere to go. He was definitely searching for something. You were successful, and I am successful, and I'm wondering, are you happy? I know how hard that must have been for him to reach out to someone and be like, hey, man, I'm not doing well. Nothing feels better than going home, and nothing feels better than leaving home the bittersweet curse travel isn't always pretty you go away you learn you get scarred marked changed in the process you inspire so many people with the show you have a good karma good karma I think so well Some of you might ask, how is this food related? F- if I know. All right, so that was the trailer for Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Um, it is basically a documentary um, that was made after his passing and uh, is sort of an attempt to distill down who he was and sort of maybe his states of mind at various points in his life as his career was sort of uh, doing its thing. <laughs> Stephen Miller. How did you feel about Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so this documentary is very interesting for a few reasons. One reason is its subject has already pretty exhaustively documented his own life. Um, like you, a thing you might have found glaring, I kind of did in the movie, is we don't see anything about his childhood, his young life, his life as a chef, his life as a drug addict, And the reason we don't see these things, among others, I assume, is he already wrote a whole book about it already. And that book was the precursor to him getting famous. Um, That is a choice that Morgan Neville makes. And I think I support that choice. But it is one thing right out of the gate that I feel like a person without intimate familiarity with him might find a little bit jarring, like a a context that is maybe lacking from the proceedings. But Morgan Neville doesn't do that. He he doesn't show that side of him. He doesn't even show stuff. Anthony Bourdain wrote a follow-up book, Medium Raw, like at least 10 years after Kitchen Confidential came out, I think, where he talked about what his life was like post-fame. And he talked about the pros and cons and some of the depressing moments. There was even a scene that he writes about, about being in an island in the Caribbean, driving blackout drunk, hoping that the car is gonna crash because you're just like despairing. Like he did so many things that could have easily been fodder for a kind of obvious documentary about his life, trying to like trace a dotted line of, you know, how he would ultimately pass away. and Morgan Neville doesn't do that. He basically says, like, I'm not, I'm not going to cover that stuff that has been hap- that has happened before. I'm going to specifically follow his life in the public eye and how that shaped him, and then try to unpack the mythology of Anthony Bourdain in the final years of his life. Uh, what I find interesting is when the movie starts, it says, "We don't want to make this be about how he died. You know how he died. He killed himself." Um, that's kind of like how the movie sets out. And for about an hour, maybe, you know, a little over an hour, it is, I feel like, a very straightforward documentary of his life as seen through TV footage and interviews. And he had a camera on him so many times, you get a lot of candid shots. And it is about, like, how does this guy who was kind of he fashioned himself a writer and a thinker and the kind of guy that smokes, like, a pack a day and broods and walks around, like, having feelings about his environment. How does he evolve from that into a guy who is outwardly expressing himself into a person who is empathetic about the world, into a person who feels conflicted about his place in the world? Uh, Like, lets us watch that. And I, I, as a fan, found that very, very interesting. Uh, I thought that was a really cool way to see his life and even though it was very traditional like it felt a little bit like a documentary that was made for a streaming platform like it wasn't like it had a ton of flourishes (laughs) um I really enjoyed the story that it tells about who he is and getting to see his like ascension to fame and seeing behind the scenes reactions from the the directors and the production crew and the people who got to watch him slowly become his eventual tv persona I, I thought that was all really cool um Then in the final half hour, the movie tackles the last few years of his life. And the movie suddenly goes from being very much this Morgan Neville right down the middle. I'm just going to make a documentary about a subject that is going to make you sentimental. And it becomes very clearly point of view of this is how his friends saw it. He's starting to unravel. Um... The movie does not look kindly at all about on his relationship with Asia uh, Argento, even though it tries with words to be even handed. But the tenor of the movie is very much like the years that he spent with her are seen as a like a sign, a red flag of things starting to not go well. And... I found all of that very interesting and kind of uncomfortable. Like, it, it seems like the movie is prying a lot into who he was. And the fact that that is all on camera is very interesting. Like, it specifically talks about moments where he is in front of the camera, he is in love, and he feels happy in Hong Kong, for instance, on a shoot. And yet, things are chaotic. And it's like, it's giving us a window into a person's emotions in a way that I found very... Shocking, partly because I remember that time when it was on, like, I remember the Hong Kong episode. I remember his relationship with Asia and like him becoming an outspoken defender of the Me Too movement. And I was literally at Cannes when she did her big, uh, like, speech to the Cannes people. And Anthony was like, loudly supporting her for this. And it's so interesting to me to try to take my recollection as a member of the public of what happened and then hear stories from his friends about how for years they could see things starting to deteriorate. And like, I found that all very, I didn't not like it. I think I really liked it, but it made me uncomfortable. Like the documentary made me uncomfortable in the end. And it, the way it steers into that and just shows you kind of unsparingly how his friends felt, including, anger at his decision to end his own life and at like the way he decided to do it and the people he left behind and like a little bit of resentment and a little bit of like it, it was just it was way more provocative than I thought this documentary would be and I going into recording tonight didn't know what rating that would yield for me because it's like I really liked it, and it made me really uncomfortable, and it is so much better than the boring version, but I also still don't know how I feel about it, especially in terms of whose voice we don't hear in the movie, considering how big a role they play in all of this. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I I can only hope that Azia was asked to participate and chose not to. Um, And it conflicts me, because I, on the one hand, it feels like a kind of Courtney Love, Yoko Ono type of like vilification thing of a person who isn't there to defend herself. On the other, they acknowledge that she is not because of this. And also, if his friends do feel that those years of his life were a bunch of red flags, the fact that that is so not how I felt as a member of the public, like that kind of thing is what a documentary is for, is to tell me how different people feel about this man. Um, so I like, I, I don't know the ethics of it, but it just left me feeling very intrigued and kind of confused. I I felt confused about the documentary.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I guess you, you kind of like broke it into the two pieces. I can try to kind of like follow you down that trail. Um, so for me, as I said, I've, I have have not had a history at all with Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. Like I knew of him as the food guy that everybody likes. (laughs) <laughs> um, but that was sort of the extent of, of everything for me. So I walked into this completely blind, just like, okay, let's see what we get. And I th- I think I found on several different le- levels, I found this documentary extremely compelling. Um, there is, there is an aspect kind of like we talked about in, in, uh, our review of in the Heights where I was like, just the fact that like, this is a man who there was another documentary crew trying to do a documentary about him when he, uh, when he published, uh, after he had published that first book. And I guess that never came out, but this crew got all the footage from that. So at the beginning of the documentary, you're watching all this footage from before this documentary would have started in any other right. normal sense of the word. So it's like what you were watching is this incredible magic trick of somebody who it like, in, in a way it reminded me a little bit of minding the gap where it's mm-hmm. like somebody was filming all the time. And now somebody is putting together a documentary using this footage that was taken long ago, potentially in no context, and like building a narrative of who this person was based on what was happening at the time. And that worked incredibly well for me. Like, as I said, this is just a person. He's he's incredibly charismatic, intelligent person who like, you know, yeah, he he is a great uh uh writer and like just listening to him narrate his own crap, like there's just, just like nothing about his day, right, it was still compelling and entertaining. And I think D- watching you like that- his
1: bit about Japan, the first uh the first piece of writing that he submitted. I felt like as someone who went to Japan that might have resonated with oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that definitely that definitely sounds me um but like just just w- watching this person through this like in a way it's archival footage almost of of some unreleased documentary and then seeing it slowly transition into uh more modern stuff from the various programs that he worked on and I think that there's there's once again it's it, it to me it felt like a little bit of a magic trick of this is a person who 256 days out of the year had a camera pointed at him at all times and this documentary blurs because i didn't watch the show and i didn't see all these trips to all these places i don't know what is show and what is between takes what is while they're they're done for the day but the camera's still rolling just because these people like the fact that these people were like hey he he just got a deal for another book let's get him to do a television show about the book, not about the book, but like that is the same premise as the book that he's starting to write. Let's just follow him with the camera forever, all the time and watching them try to them shape him, but him really try to shape them. And sort of just the way he created this life life for him, where he was kind of getting to do whatever he wanted and go wherever he wanted and like have a life that like, you know, you like when I started watching this film, I was like, Oh, I can see why Steven really likes everything about whatever's going on here because like it's a lot of things that you really like travel food all these things and it's really easy to get sucked into the way he experiences the world and like as he as you watch him going from this guy who at the time we meet him in the documentary he's not this drug addict anymore he still smokes pack a day and he's still like a little uh he's a, he's an asshole a little bit right um sure definitely. but he his evolution from asshole
1: into kind of kind member of the world takes a long time and it is it's fun to watch if you followed the show. But he was definitely an asshole (laughs) for a lot.
0: But like but but yeah, watching him make that transition and to care about the world and care about other people and care about He's not just going to these places because he's checking off his bucket list. He wants to experience those places and see what's going on there. And, and like, it, it, it's funny because, like, you know him from this travel food show. He's constantly eating food, but we never hear him talking about the food that he's eating, right? Like, we're only watching all the time that isn't him doing the eating. So it's kind of like weird to like, like, I, w- I, w- I would watch the documentary. I'd go, like, should I start watching this show? But I don't know if the show is the documentary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I it might be that I love this documentary and I watch the show and I just don't care. It just doesn't have the same sort of pull to it, but I really just liked watching this evolution, evolution of a person. And I could see from the people that they were interviewing, like his close friends that he had been with over the year, who you get to see all these conversations they have over time and stuff, getting to see them talking after the fact, like once, like, you know, after he had killed himself and like, their way of interpreting the different actions and different moments in his life, I thought was just incredibly compelling. And the, the fact that like, yes, he always had cameras trained on him for all these years of his life, but those cameras weren't always being operated by the same people. There were crews that came and went. There were there were people that he could and couldn't work with over time. Like just watching people talk, just to see how much of his life passes with all these cameras there just something about it was kind of magical to watch even though i knew nothing about this person and didn't care starting it by the end i cared and i was like very like moved by like what i was watching and i think that there's just it's it's doing something that i don't know if it's cheating i don't know if it's just brilliant or or what it is but i i really i really think it nailed whatever it was trying to do because because i found it very affecting and I found Anthony Bourdain a very compelling person and I really, really liked watching this journey he went on um, and just seeing how he was. I mean, like part, part of this this movie is like one part, like this person's like rising up. It's one part like up in the air. Um, it's, it has like a lot of those same vibes of like what, yeah. is the, what is the toll of somebody who just travels constantly and is never home and doesn't have a home and seeing him try to latch on to individual pieces of what his life is as like a respite from the life that he has built. And it's just like it, it you know, you as an outsider, you like, man, he has everything. Like he literally has, he literally has everything, right? He just right. goes where he is, does what he wants. He has producers, but he kind of produces them more than they produce him. Yeah. For and,
1: sure. By <laughs> the end, he had pretty much total creative control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, this is the dream. And then like that last half an hour, you're like, no, this is not the dream. Like this sucks a mm-hmm. lot. And also, There are shots in this, they could have been from any point in his life. I mean, obviously, it's when he was older because he has the gray hair. But I mean, like, there are shots they put in, like, the montage after he has killed himself that, like, are the eeriest fucking shots where it's, like, they just found those shots where you see in his eyes, like, what he is feeling at the time. And it's, like, this film does amazing things. And I... I was so wrapped up in it that I didn't feel icky by the stuff at the I, part. Part of the stuff, in my defense, <laughs> part of the stuff is that like I don't know what is. They're always on camera. This isn't. Mm-hmm. It's. It's not a. It's. This isn't the type, type of documentary where he's he's fighting with her and she says turn off the camera and he says okay and just points it towards the wall and you're listening to their conversation. It's none of that. It's always. Cameras were there. They all know it's there. They're not really performing. They're kind of just doing their thing. And it's like it feels like you are watching. You like we, we do see scenes where you can see that she's unhappy and she's not she doesn't want to like things it's it's not just other people seeing his devotion to her as a red flag, um or his right. obsession with her. There are you like other people are commenting on how she didn't like yeah, the way complimenting
1: he was, how she parks in Rome and yeah, yeah. kind of like awkwardly trying to wiggle out of the conversation
0: yeah so so you can see the the fractures in the relationship that they had already building it might have been that they could have added 10 more minutes of interactions to soften that sudden jump to like and then these tabloids come out um but i think that like i thought it was given the fact that all the footage we were watching is real (laughs) it didn't feel like a hit job of like, mm. how can we edit this to be whatever? Um, but also that's an editor's job is to get whatever the story is they want to communicate. Um, so I can't like take it at full value, I guess. But I, I, yeah, I, I, just, I just found it incredibly compelling. And by the end, um, the only thing I, that weirded me out was um, one of his friends decides to do something he thinks he would have enjoyed at, right at the end of the film. And I was like, even if he would enjoy that, Anybody witnessing you do it, how do they interpret your actions? You're talking about what David Cho does (laughs) with the painting? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I wonder because the crew is there, what kind of permission they might have gotten for that. It's a, yeah,
0: it was interesting. See, I
1: liked that. I felt like the the movie goes out on the note that I would expect it to.
0: Also, that painting he does is so fucking rad that there's that scene in the middle where he's painting him just like sitting like in a chair. Whatever yeah. that that style is, I was definitely yeah. about it. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that painting was really rad.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I do want to say like the talking heads in this documentary are like, there's like a bunch of cool people in their own right, especially like, David Chang, the restaurateur who shares one very hurtful thing Tony said to him about fatherhood. Yeah. yeah. Um, He, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Ugly Delicious, but that's like a great show that he does where he talks about food and talks with other chefs and stuff. Uh, Dave Cho is on that a lot. And he's just like a really cool artist and kind of a, he's kind of like an artist and a personality. Like I feel he like he just shows up and has interesting things to say and a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like it. It was interesting seeing Tony's, what I assume was Tony's inner circle. Um, Like one, you mentioned the word icky and like I felt ickiness, but I don't know if that is me condemning in any way so much as me just feeling like unease. And part of it is that I like lived this present tense. And so I remember multiple years of Tony and Asia being together. Right, and they were much more in the public eye than his wife Atavia was. Um, I didn't actually know a whole lot about her except for I knew that Tony got into a kind of like dad rock jujitsu phase late in life. Because some episodes <laughs> he would be like, "And now I'm doing jujitsu," and it's like, "Okay, I didn't. That's not what we're here for."
0: <laughs> when it when it got to that part of this film where it, like it suddenly starts talking about that, I was like, what "The hell am I watching? When did this happen?" Yeah, but also that no, guy he, is, he's like ripped, it's like. <laughs> He was oh, in yeah. super great super shape ripped. his whole life.
1: Yeah. There's there's an episode of one of his... I don't even know which version of the show. Maybe the layover. Where he goes to San Francisco Bay Area. He's been multiple times. But in one of them, he goes to the Bay Area. And he spends like a third of it at a jujitsu place. And I was like, man, I wanted to see you go eat at like <laughs> restaurants near my apartment. <laughs> but I mean, he's he's done that too. He's been to the Tonga Room. He's been yeah, to yeah. some places. Um, but anyway, like... To me, Asia Argento, especially because, again, the years of 2016 to 2018, you know, the Me Too movement was happening. She was in the public eye. He was in the public eye a lot. He was kind of like proudly standing with her and doing the talk show circuit and everything. And so for me, seeing her feel kind of like uh, the, like, the footnote at the end of his life that signified everything spiraling felt so incongruous from how I experienced it, where, like, she was who I thought of as, like, his partner. Um, and that that was just a strange thing to witness. Like, I don't think I really, right now, feel ethically troubled by the movie. It's just the movie didn't... Like, Morgan Neville made Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, he makes documentaries that know how to make you cry. Yeah. And this documentary was very sad there's a crushing thing uh it's in the trailer even about like the the bitter contradiction nothing feels better than coming home and nothing feels better than leaving home that is such a great up in the air style like you're fucked either way type of sentiment and so much of anthony bourdain's life and art and this documentary is about that feeling of like you're lost in a place and you find joy in there, but also loneliness and is that a sad feeling? And who are you when there's just this sea of people blurring around you? And like, like, there's a lot of heavy emotions in here, but Neville does not do the tear jerk, make you cry documentary that you could easily do about a man who committed suicide. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he steers it into the, the anger and confusion and sadness of friends and them trying to find explanations, it, it, it's just not what I was expecting. And it makes me want to say that this isn't really a documentary about Anthony Bourdain, the person, so much as the myth of Anthony Bourdain and what it mean, he means to the people in his life. Yeah. And, like, people who are shaped by him and who experienced him grappling with the, like the hollow place that he used to be. Like, I I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like the documentary shifted into being that. And it was a really interesting twist that I think I respect a lot and I like that it makes me uncomfortable. I think that's where I've landed in the end because I like it. And it also just isn't the clean cry
0: that I maybe would have wanted. Yeah, and and, and I think too that like, I don't, I don't, and, uh, and also... So to preface, it, I know this isn't what you're saying necessarily, but like part of why that sort of that sort of shift started uh as it was happening, I found it compelling and didn't really bother me at all was because I didn't see it as uh, Azia being the reason he was spiraling, but that he was spiraling, and when she entered his life, he latched onto her, so it's right, not she's the it, life
1: raft that he grabbed onto, yeah,
0: like she is not a leech that sucked the life force out of him he was like already spiraling and he held on for a while to this one thing and he was distracting himself the same way I'm sure previously in his life he distracted himself with heroin and cocaine and like whatever um in the early days but like it was this was the thing that he was putting all his energy into because it distracted him from all the other stuff that was causing him to spiral in the first place so I, I see as yeah you could say that he did it because of her but it's not because of her that he did it. Um, right.
1: Well, and, and as you've acknowledged, like, that isn't what I think the documentary is saying either. I, I definitely don't think it's trying to draw a straight line. Well, it's not in a the hit the final trial, basically. day of his life. It really is, but mostly it's yeah. talking about his emotional state. What I'm saying is, even that thing of imagine spending years with a person and then being portrayed as the life raft that doesn't make sense that they latched onto that still feels dismissive to me in a way that, like, we don't know their inner life, so maybe a documentary couldn't, and maybe they didn't have a group of mutual friends who can wax about their relationship. Maybe they were kind of this island, you know, and the um, the stories of the crew and people in his life all saying, like, this is left field and I don't understand it, supports that maybe it really was this kind of, silo and this thing that was out of the ordinary it just i just felt like there is like a whole life there and it this is one very strong narrative about it but what if it isn't accurate like that's what makes me feel kind of uneasy yeah Um, because it is it isn't like sit and nancy or something this isn't like And then they became heroin addicts together and blah, blah, blah. You know, this is... The things that this movie is pointing to as the red flags are, you know, he had her direct episodes of his show and the crew didn't like the way she handled it, but he seemed to like it. It, The the documentary is making a clear case for this was him in some kind of semi-delusional or wishful thinking state and... I think I believe the documentary but like the f- the fear that that isn't accurate makes me feel strange about how strongly the documentary pushes it. I yeah. g- I guess that's just how I how I felt.
0: Yeah, and I and I guess I'm I'm sort of watching this as a narrative film where I just take for granted what I'm right. watching as being 100% vacu- factual because I don't have any sense of who this man was and I'm like hey if 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 the doc- documentarian and four of his closest friends say it, then it must be accurate.
1: It, and it, it very well, it probably is. It, it, like yeah. real time, while I was watching it, though, that was the pit in my stomach feeling. Is like, ooh, this is, this is saying things I don't want to hear about him. You know, that was kind of my like yeah, visceral yeah. reaction.
0: Yeah, it's like where we find out that like that conversation he had on the balcony, right before it happened, like was completely made up. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, like if that sort Maybe of thing came an Instagram out. Story. That would just be like Jesus.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's very accurate. And it like I, I did find it moving that his friends, you know, are tearing up talking about him and it seems very genuine. Like I, I felt like David Chang's story about like the meanest thing Tony ever said to him, like those are yeah. very powerful. And it speaks to like just how much he cut both ways and how much he meant to people. So I do believe it's genuine. And I think them all feeling this way is a very strong sign and it paints a portrait that is not unethical or bending the truth. It was just my my reaction watching it in real time because it was so different from how I wanted to feel about it was just like the, the discomfort of being given a narrative that wasn't the one that I was expecting.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, any last thoughts before we get to verdicts?
1: Um, only that you should definitely pick places that you've visited and eaten in and watch an episode of a show. I'm pretty confident any episode you'll wind up liking. So yeah. I'll just put my stake in the ground and say that it's not that much about food.
0: Are are these available on a particular streaming platform? I feel like Hulu has a lot of them now. Okay.
1: But old episodes of No Reservations were clearly like ripped from like low res four three. Like, they're not that pleasant to watch, so later seasons are probably better.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Um, well, let's go ahead and get to our verdicts then. Steven, if you're going to say must see, recommend with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it?
1: I mean, I really liked it, but I'm I'm going to have to say recommend with a caveat only because I have this big gnawing thing about how the film handles the last few years of his life that... I think might be totally fine and great and solid documentary filmmaking, and it might be manipulative. And like because I don't know, that's just like that stuck with me. So yeah. it's recommend with an asterisk, which is this might <laughs> be messy, yeah, and it's... I may never know. I may never know the answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would be curious, like once this is more publicly available, if there is uh, if she has a reaction to it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if she's tuning into
1: <laughs> to the Tribeca Film Festival? Yeah, she must be familiar, like aware of this documentary.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, for me, I am going to give it a recommendation with a caveat as well. Um, I I, 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 really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, I don't have the context for like this documentary wasn't for me, but I still found it incredibly compelling. Um, and I really, really liked uh going on the journey that I had this weekend watching this film. So. Um, you know, is it going to stick with me? Like some of like the documentaries that like I would throw out as recommendation to random people, maybe not. Um, but I, I still think it was pretty great. And just the, the accomplishment of, you know, having access to like hundreds of thousands of hours of like raw footage, just to be able to put together this, like that is a feat in and of itself. Um, and it's kind of amazing to then put on top of that, like all the footage from whatever that previous documentary group was doing uh, when that book came out. It just, I, yeah, I I was, I was very impressed with, with what I got taken and, uh, looks like I got some homework now to check out some episodes of the show. (laughs) Yep. Cool. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this review of Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, Stephen Miller. People want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that?
1: Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
0: People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash Facebook.com slash warning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site yeah music for this episode will come from the little jingle to the tribeca film festival so hopefully you're enjoying that and uh yeah that's it we are going to take off we have one more tribeca review to bring you and that is a little review of a film called poser so um stay tuned for that we'll see you in just a bit bye bye